In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today's Gospel is uh, from St. Mark, where we have an account about the way in which the Pharisees lived external purity, cleanliness, hygiene, and uh, all these rules that they had uh, acquired from the tradition of the elders, and how they had really gotten hung up on a lot of these uh, external dimensions of cleanliness. It's a good, it's good, it's a good thing. Somebody had come up with all these things in the past. People had noticed details about uh, about the purification of uh, cups and jugs and kettles and beds, and they noticed if you touched this, you could touch something else. And so, the law had foreseen a lot of these details of of purification of cleaning, and they would clean way up to the elbow, and and uh, it was all good. But it was, by and large, of course, very uh, external. And uh, we can clearly see from this text that many of those to whom St. Mark was first addressed, the Gospel was first addressed, were Christians or pagans who were not familiar with all these Jewish customs. That's why he explains all these things. And uh, he goes into quite a, a lot of detail about all these teachings. And in today's Gospel, the Lord, on the one hand, underlines that, yes, the, the law is good. All these laws have their value, but they can go into casuistry. And they can become overburdened or they can overburden one. And this is one of the occasions in which the Lord corrects the mistaken interpretations that some of the Jewish teachers had offered. And, uh, and he tries to give a better serene and, well, a better interpretation that, that goes more in line with the true teaching of the law. And, uh, and we want to try to understand what the Lord's real teaching really is. Later on, we know that this was particularly well integrated into St. Peter, because this is from St. Mark, and St. Mark was the secretary of St. Peter. And uh, later on, in the Acts of the Apostles, you'll remember there's a passage in when, when St. Peter has a kind of a vision, and he sees uh, like a like a a large you know cloth, a large sheet filled with I don't know animals and things that were not considered pure. Right, 
and uh, he hears a voice saying, take this and, and eat it, go. And Peter says, look, oh, this is all impure stuff, I can't eat this. And uh, who are you to say what is pure and what is impure? Right? And, um, and so it showed him, even after in this vision, the full depth of Jesus' teaching just about food, dietary laws, cleanliness and uncleanliness. And that's why it's, it's not surprising that it appears here in St. Mark because one of the core teachings that St. Mark writes about, which he in turn gets from St. Peter, is hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside of a man, like the stuff in that sheet, like those animals, like those impure things. There is nothing outside of a man which by going in can defile him. But the things which come out of a man that defile him. I think this would have been like a complete rocking of the, of the th way of thinking. Right? It, it would have been like a Copernican revolution in terms of thinking. Up until now, Peter and the other apostles and many Jews just thought about impurity in terms of externals. We have it very present today now. It's the externals of, of breathing in this or that that is going to make you sick with COVID. But the Lord kind of switches the, the focus of the impurity, the focus of the, let's say, the badness. It's not in the food. It comes out of us. And naturally, the Lord was redeeming the very nature of food when he tells this. He was saying, don't worry, from now on. He wasn't saying it there directly, but the, the eventual conclusion of that was that there are no longer dietary laws. As far as I know, there's nothing we can or cannot eat, except meat on Fridays. But that's just a mortification. It's not because meat is bad. But for us, there's nothing kosher or unkosher. We can eat pork, no problem. We can eat it. It's okay. But many traditions consider that impure. It'll make them impure. And, but what the Lord's saying is that it's not those things, pork or, I don't know, whatever, certain things that do make us impure or that defile us. It's that what comes out of a man. And then, towards the end of the Gospel today, he lists some of those things. So what comes out of a man is, that, is what defiles him. For from within, from the heart of man, come evil thoughts, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. They all have their different levels of you know, severity, but, but uh, those are... You can't do, you know, you can't just do those things externally. They come out of the heart. And if we really look at this seriously, and we want to have a, a, a tremendous inner peace, we would, we would see that sometimes a lot of external things do happen to us, but it's really how we react to them. 
true that it's true that we are affected of course by bad behavior around us I don't mean just now here foods we're talking just about events in life there are things that come out of a man things that come and affect us things that happen to us things people do to us say to us that affect us you know, if you're insulted if if you're harmed in some way I mean it, it these things do affect us but the discussion can be really quite uh, enlarged and that's perhaps what our Lord wants what stains man what harms him is not what happens externally to us the events that were thrown into the difficulties the problems the tiredness the sickness you could say even the evil society in some ways around us there's no doubt we are influenced and affected by that but what really harms us is not what happens externally but the way we react to the events around us the events that we are confronted with the changes the amount of work that we have an annoying person we can have like one out of ten an annoying person is like a 9.8 right, of annoyingness right? and uh, whatever reason she she is like that she's just like ah, you know. and uh, we could be affected by that I suppose but too often we we position ourselves a little bit like victims and we accuse the person the events for our malaise now there obviously there is some aspect of truth nobody doesn't bat an eye with an annoying person or a difficult circumstance I mean even so even more so a young child imagine a young child is very dependent and affected by the things around them and we can be deeply wounded by adults when we're little children we're very susceptible little child we can't be completely autonomous to the events around us but of course as we grow in maturity physical maturity spiritual maturity interior maturity we we come to a, acquire bit by bit true autonomy as to who we are and how we're going to allow things affect us not just in terms of our suffering but in terms of our own personal sanctity it's good to be affected it's okay but is this going to contribute to my sanctity make me holier make me pray more or is it going to be somehow be something that's going to make me more bitter and I would say you know part of our role is that we become in some way less and less dependent on the events around us less victims and we realize that what is important is not so much to look around what is going around us right and left measuring all the events around us being too focused on the 101 things that are going around or not going well and maybe end up complaining about them perhaps it's just as even more important to honestly evaluate and examine our heart 
It's not what comes from out of a man. It's what comes from inside a man's heart, our Lord says. Meaning that deep down, the problem is not so much the circumstances around us, the circumstances that we find ourselves in, the people around us, whether they be easy or difficult. But really, the, what we have to examine is ourselves, how I react to these things. And therefore, whether it's a bad thing, whether I react with malaise and, and sadness or discouragement, or whether it's a good thing and I react with thanksgiving, praising God, or just kind of a sense of entitlement when things go well. You can imagine somebody who receives a lot of good, a lot of good things constantly, maybe praise. Well, if they reacted to those things with, well, of course I deserve this. Yes, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, that would be a sign of praise. Excuse me, that would be a sign of pride. Just as a person who reacted to a lot, a lot of the bad things with a spirit of discouragement and sadness, uh, that means that their heart is not in the right place. So, let's ask our Lord now for a greater um, ability to evaluate the reality that what harms me is not so much the circumstances that I find myself in. What harms me is the manner in which I react to situations. What damages me are not the difficulties, but what damages me are my fears, my discouragements, my sadness, my bitterness, maybe my resentment in front of a hard situation, which to a certain degree might be understandable. Like if we were to explain it all, another person might even agree with us. But do I realize that I'm, I'm somehow damaging myself? It's very important that we tell ourselves this because it is a source of great uh, maturing. It's not easy to acquire this kind of autonomy in front of life and in front of life's adventures. Otherwise, the danger is that we will, we will be perpetually blaming the world around us for what is not going well. And really, the solution is to seek interior autonomy, faith, hope, love. Would that I be able to react with all the adventures of my life, my own tiredness, physical health, things I misunderstand or don't understand why they happen, would that I react with the autonomy of faith, with the autonomy of hope, of love, because that's how I will be freer. I'll be freer. And uh, because even in the midst of very, very trying circumstances, somehow our heart will stay pure. Like those kettles and those pots that the Pharisees had struggled so hard to clean. Our heart will stay pure. 
But it's it's demanding. It's demanding. But it's worthwhile. It's worthwhile. You can do it. We can do it. We have to think of purity in terms of chastity and thoughts and attachments and the sense of, you know, the virtue of chastity. And of course, that's true. And it is true. But maybe, maybe it's because they give us those things give us some semblance of love or satisfaction when we see, you know, something very uh, uh, attractive, uh, you know, from a sexual point of view. They give us some semblance of love, for, of satisfaction. But ultimately, for us, we know that it is just a fake. It's, it's, a, it's a counterfeit, and we will be misled. That would not be true for somebody who's in a married married life, and those things have their place. Of course, they're not impure, but they have their place. And uh, it's it, this is an important area of growth for us. Well, an important area of maturity. I mean, take for example, let's say we encounter a difficulty in fraternity with uh, somebody we live with. You know, in all homes, all communities, all centers, there are there are struggles, there are challenges. There's no, you know, there's no holy family. You know, like like where everybody is amazing and perfect. And uh, maybe when we first uh, when we first entered the the work, when we first whistled, maybe we started all enthusiastic, and with great desires and uh, gun home, and that was good. We had them. But those are good, those are good, but uh, things are not always that simple. We may have thought that when we, when we whistled, but the Holy Spirit would, that we, we thought that He would come and, and no matter what difficulty, He would make everything fine. But if on account of some difficulty I have, in fraternity if I get discouraged if I get sad if I lose my peace if I get kind of paralyzed or freeze and can't talk to her or I don't engage her because I think what she said there was really 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 stupid or didn't make any sense or wasn't very nice at all if I can't go on and engage her, that specific person who totally annoyed me, and if I allow myself to be dominated by those feelings, do I actually resolve the problem or do I increase it? I mean, the, the answer is obvious. Not that we have necessarily declared World War III, but... but uh, but maybe we're in a new skirmish. Somehow, mysteriously, it is from the heart that this comes. It's from the heart. From within. That's what Odo says. It's from within. Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, fortification, theft, murders, adulteries, coveting, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. <coughs> And he goes, I mean, I suppose there's many other things you could add there, right? 
could add, you know, uh, slander. Well, you're already slander, you know, but you know, backbiting and uh, anger and uh, <coughs> and uh, sadness and discouragement. Maybe we don't have all those things, but even if you know frustrations uh, come into my heart, you know. I, I I don't have time to to let myself be embittered by all these things. Saint Paul says we must conquer evil or be conquerors of evil by doing good. In his letter to the Romans, he says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Not overcome evil with evil. And that's something that each one of us has to examine if in some way we're trying to overcome evil with evil. And of course, as long as we live on this earth, we will experience in some way, there will in some way be the presence of evil. It's around us, it's in ourselves. And our first reaction can sometimes be like that of our Lord and the disciples when they were when they saw these Samaritans who refused to receive Christ you know the Samaritans and the Jews they didn't they didn't get along and stuff so so the disciples said to our Lord Lord do you want us to bid fire come down from heaven and consume them these guys are our enemies so we could just say fire go and smash them but Jesus invites them to be gentle. See, the, the greatness of the good that can come from us, that others see us always kind, forgiving, not to, not to send down fire. That's, that's a good thing that we're doing. And maybe those Samaritans deserved fire. Maybe they deserved uh, ten times fire. Maybe they were really bad. And they did some bad things, harmful things. But the Lord said, no, be gentle. Because it's as though you're augmenting the evil. This is what our, our father said in Friends of God, excuse me, in uh, Christ is Passing By. He said, we have to understand everyone. We must live peaceably with everyone. We must forgive everyone. We shall not call in injustice justice. We shall not say that an offense against God is not an offense against God, or that evil is good. When confronted by evil, we shall not reply with another evil, but rather with sound doctrine, with good actions, drowning evil in an abundance of good. That is how Christ will reign in our souls and the souls of people around us. Yeah. Drown evil in an abundance of good, insofar as there is evil around us. We're not going to overcome evil with more evil. And you can say if we are, get very sad or very discouraged or very bitter 
or very angry or pessimistic, those, those are all forms of evil. In other words, what will lead us to overcome the hardships and the evil is not our discouragement, not our worry, not our fear, or being paralyzed. But what will lead us to overcome the evil is that effort to stay in faith, confidence, peace, hope, this healthy Christian optimism, even if the circumstances around us are not always easy. And, and, and indeed, people behave badly and do silly things. You know, I texted someone, I texted somebody who I know was going through a hard time. He had suffered an injustice and he's a man of faith, a good man. And uh, so, I, I don't know, I texted something like, uh, you know, be optimistic, I'm praying for you, animo, have hope. And he responded, optimism, question mark? Hmm, with an H-M-M-M, you know? And then hope, comma, well, comma, okay, dot, dot, dot. Like, that was the response, you know, to, it was like not too convinced, you know? But, uh, but optimism is an expression of hope. It's one of the, it's one of the optimism is one of the samplings, one of the one of the flavors. Like when you go to the ninety-nine flavors of ice cream uh, in the ice cream parlor, there's many flavors of hope. There's optimism. There's cheerfulness. There's good humor. There's remembering jokes. There is uh, serenity. There's smile. There's not having a long face. There's seeing the good thing, good side of things. Those are all the different flavors, you know, pistachio and strawberry and blueberry and and uh, caramel, whatever, and uh, the different flavors of hope. And of course, especially enduring prayer and fidelity to the norms amidst tiredness and bad outcomes. We certainly, we know we won't uh, resolve anything by our discouragement and uh, not that we need that we need not suffer these things it's it's normal it was normal to suffer hardships and difficulties I mean evil things impact our heart but it is important not to let this impact on our hearts become so dominant so oppressive because otherwise, in some way, we will become kind of accomplices of that evil. We will multiply it in some strange way. So as long as that bad thing that happens doesn't enter into my heart, no problem. It must not enter into my heart. It's not that we're not inured and we don't suffer, but it must not enter into my heart. We have to ask God for strength uh, to be able to react otherwise not ever to give heed to discouragement even if I'm surrounded by painful things that hurt that hurt and uh, we ask this of our mother now you know to, to really um, ask this strength to react diff differently even if I'm in a difficult situation I must ensure that this does not make me sad or down or fearsome 
because somehow it would mean that the evil has somehow entered into me and that in some way I'm in a collaborator. It's like I'd, I'd get the credits at the end of the movie, right, for participating in the bad parts of the movie where there's a killing or where there's, I don't know, some bad thing. I get credits, you know, for the shootings of the, the good, the, when the good people get shot, you know. So we ask uh, our Blessed Mother to help us, to intercede for us, and uh, we, if we really, really with this idea, if we really want to lighten evil around us, we must stay in peace. What service we render when we see things with a hopeful eye. I can't always eliminate all the evil, all the, all the problems, all the limitations, all the difficulties around me, but I can see them with a hopeful eye. That's the work that we can do. That's why we invoke Our Lady, our hope, handmaid of the Lord. Our hope, she'll intercede for us so that does indeed happen. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.